Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of the Digital Rookie Podcast. My name is Patrick Quay, and today you'll be listening to my chat with Rhiannon Closey. Rhiannon now works at the Victoria Racing Club alongside previous podcast guest Scott Walton. However, what we focus on in our discussion was her time as fan engagement and marketing manager at AFL club, the Western Bulldogs. Rhiannon has some really interesting insight into what is involved in trying to develop the brand identity of a football club and the processes she utilised to gain fan growth and engagement. If you want to get in touch with Rhiannon, you can head to her LinkedIn and while you're there, feel free to connect with me as well. If you haven't yet subscribed to the podcast, please do so and leave a review. I would also greatly appreciate if you checked out my website, digitalrookiehub.com and the social medias at Digital Rookie Hub. Enjoy my chat with Rhiannon. Alrighty, Rhiannon, thank you so much for coming on my podcast. Thanks for having me, Pat. Absolutely no worries. Let's get stuck into it. So can you just provide a bit of an insight into like what instigated your career in sport and what your passions and interests are and, you know, your key areas of expertise? Yeah, so basically, um, I always loved live sport. I think there's something really cool about bringing that many people together and you kind of get to see people having like their best days and their worst days and it's kind of that big connection and it's it's so cool and it's something really special. Um, so I've always loved that. So I kind of always thought I wanted to work in sport, but I didn't know what I wanted to do and what, what that even looked like um, or whether that was just large-scale events as well. Um, so I did work experience when I was 15 and um, I had really enjoyed watching AFL at the time. So I basically did work experience in Melbourne at AFL Sports Ready and Triple M's football department. So I just cold called them. Um, I was from Kyneton, which is a country town in Victoria. I had a cousin living in Melbourne at the time. So I just went up there and did that, which was really cool, really good insight into that industry. And then once I finished uni, I didn't know what I wanted to do. So I did a Bachelor of Business with a major in marketing and a minor in management, which was quite broad. And I think business is a really good one because it is broad. So you can kind of do anything with that. But again, kind of was led back to the sports industry. While I was at uni, I was working at Tennis Australia in, for the Australian Open. So it was a really good in for me. I then made a connection with the Promotions Factory, which was the merchandise company that actually stocked all the merchandise at the AO and then got work actually at the MCG throughout the season in their retail department as well. So it was just kind of through knowing people and then starting that networking journey. Once I finished uni, again, I still didn't really know what I wanted to do, but I'd made really good contacts at the Promotions Factory and got a licensing role there. So I was working with companies like um, the AFL again, NRL, Tennis Australia, and then the job came up at the Western Bulldog. And as soon as I got there, I'd kind of gone from Footscray to Pran, and it just felt really nice and that club environment is is something really special too and I was young so I was 23 at the time and I was ready to work really hard and that's what you need to be like at a football club you just need to be able to say yes 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 so that was really good and then basically I spent four years at the Bulldogs and then uh, finished up there and then went from Footscray to Flemington so a bit of a contrast Mm. Um, from going from there to the VRC. But my actual role and my kind of expertise, I guess, I focus mainly in campaign management. So end-to-end campaign management. So the creative development of a campaign and then the execution of that. So how that's actually rolled out into the landscape and um, also probably the marketing, more traditional marketing side of that. So advertising as well as we also have a lot of media partners at the, the VRC. So 
we have traditional advertising like billboards and mm-hmm. um, outdoor street furniture and things. But we also have really good media partners. So that's one part I really kind of love of my role. It's very relationship focused and that kind of suits my personality because I get to work with a lot of different people and really intelligent mm. people. And you can really learn a lot from all of these different industry partners that we get to work with. So, yeah, if you're really lucky, it's, a, it's like the Melbourne Cup's a global event. So it's, you know, a world-class event. Oh, yeah. So And again, with the AFL, the AFL, best practice skate they do things just as well as you know the nba and Hmm. things so yeah Yeah. so yeah that's kind of that's me really yeah awesome i really want to touch on your role as fan engagement and marketing manager at the doggies just mainly because the western bulldogs went through a significant brand transition through the time that you were at the club and so what drove that decision to rebrand and what are the initial processes that are involved from like a fan engagement side? Yeah, so I um, I got to the Bulldogs in 2013, so the start of the 2013 season. I was lucky to actually get in at the tail end of, of that rebrand. So there's been so much hard work done in creating a new logo for the, the company, as well as uh, looking at, you know, what were our brand pillars and what were the, the negative connotations, I think, that kind of came with being the Western Bulldogs. So, you know, you could probably tell me them yourself, but, you know, the, the battlers, the underdogs, you know, that we weren't, you know, well off and that kind of negative connotation really came when people thought of the Bulldogs. It was really all about that that visual identity of what this logo was going to look like. And we had this old kind of robo dog. If you Google it, you'll be able to see what the old one looked like. But basically once everything changed, it, it just looked stronger and fresher and our brand pillars really kind of adapted to this strong visual of this bold kind of grunting, snarling dog. Okay. So, yeah, it was really, really, really good process to be involved in and just see how that actually happens and, and the research and build that kind of goes into that. And um, So it was quite innovative at the time. And then so basically from a marketing perspective, we launched that, say, on like the Tuesday and then by the Friday, um, our whole kind of club went into, into disarray. Our captain had requested a trade and then kind of the months following we had captain gone, coach gone, CEO gone as well. So from a marketing perspective, that's quite depleting in that sporting landscape. I guess that was, so that was the end of 2014. So I'd been mm-hmm. there for a year, about a year and a half and then enter into the new season. We've got this new cartoon dog kind of everywhere, new graphics, and we've got a new coach and a new marquee player. So enter Luke Beveridge and Tom Boyd. Even just for Tom Boyd to come in, you know, we'd never had a marquee player really before. When I got to the Bulldogs, I only knew one player, which was Bob Murphy. I didn't know any of the other players. And, uh, you know, enter Tom Boyd, who's on the front of a a Gatorade bottle. Right, yeah. We didn't have players that had those kind of agreements. Then that year, which was 2015, we actually made the finals at the end of the year. And the whole feeling around the place was just, different and then the following year after that we won a premiership so Mm. like that's the best thing you can do for a sporting brand Um, but yeah basically within that really short time frame everything really changed for the the brand yeah okay interesting and so for some reason in my head when I think of Western Bulldogs fan I think of this little old lady like living out in Footscray with her like Western Bulldogs scarf but then you also get (laughs) I think obviously with the premiership, you've probably gotten a lot of young followers as well. How do you go about approaching yes. the the challenge of marketing to such a difference in personality and different demographic? Yeah, so you have to be really segmented. 
So you can't really have a one size fits all plan for things like that. So you're 100% with the Bulldogs, about probably about 30% of our membership base was over 60. So we kind of really needed a generational change and we had different strategies in place in dealing with that. So one of my main roles was growing that audience base. So we had focus areas for that, particularly probably women, kids and that multicultural space because, you know, your kids obviously are the next generation, so they're the most important but women are the decision makers in, you know, in the household. Yeah. And obviously dad kind of wants to go to the footy anyway. So we've got him sorted. But yeah, so the women and even the women landscape in the AFLW coming in as well was just another pillar. The kids stuff was huge in, in what I was doing because I manage our junior clubs, sports, schools, that whole program. I had a coordinator that managed that, but oversaw the whole thing. And then also just your engagement with, with those people and kind of focusing on what were the barriers in actually getting them engaged, particularly with the multicultural audience in the West. It's a really huge growth area in Melbourne. So that Western corridor for us was always just a, a huge focus point. But basically we, we needed to actually get in touch with those people and start communicating with them and get them kind of into our marketing funnel. So we're very data centric. We were very data focused in actually getting that touch point and then getting that recurring communication with them. So we had a really good program and obviously being a community club of the AFL, which was a bit of a tagline for us, um, we had a Bulldogs Backyard program, which was basically 400 tickets that we'd give away each week, which was just behind the goal square. So we're actually sitting next to the cheer squad. And so that came in actually before I was I was there. And when we had really low attending games, it was it was great because it was great for broadcast. So basically the, the bay next to the cheer squad is full. So when you go to, to that bay, there's people sitting in there. Right. But also it's a really good experience. If that's your first experience at a game, you get to see from that level. So basically there was a really strong data piece behind that. So we'd give out those tickets to schools, clubs, charities. Um, Victoria University was another really good partner we had. Um, And it was all about engaging with those people and helping them actually get to the football. So what were the barriers? If cost was a barrier, they're getting a free ticket. For schools, they would organise buses or for community groups, we'd help get people like from a multicultural background that some people didn't even know how to get a train to Etihad Stadium. So we got buses and bus them in and it's that kind of stuff and like even just having translators sitting with community groups and answering questions and not knowing the rules of the game it was just the the western Bulldogs do a really great job in that space like i don't know if anyone else does it better to be honest yeah it sounds like because the western parts of melbourne are such a diverse area and lending to that and obviously the western bulldogs identifying with that demographic really putting an effort into making it easy for them to come to the footy. And obviously the goal is to eventually have them as a member because, you know, yeah. clubs are driven by membership. But things like the translator and, and you know, have really helping out people, that sounds like a really good initiative in terms of actually applying and building a community in the Western area. Yeah, and it's a long-term strategy as well. You need to keep kind of having these little moments with them. And you're right about that Western Corridor. We did a lot of things in the community, like in the pre-season every year, we had the boys go out in the community and actually do player appearances basically everywhere. We called it the Bulldogs Blitz. So we basically just everywhere in the western suburbs shopping centers main streets they were giving out free tickets to round one actually and the boys didn't love doing it but Mm. 
it gets them out in the community and gets them presence. And we got a lot of media attention out of it every year. And the records and the actual attendance was always really good. So we could all we could always track that as well. So even who matter doesn't matter who they're giving the tickets to, we can still work out who actually came because you have to sign up and get a ticket. So we've got your data straight away once you mm. actually redeem that ticket. So yeah, it was. Yeah, definitely the Western suburbs is a, is a huge focus, but not the only focus as well. So we, we then moved into Ballarat as well. So that was, again, another really big focus for us. But we also had, we had two partnerships. We had Ballarat. We also had Tropical uh, Events Queensland as well. So we played in Cairns too. Mm-hmm. And that was also just about growing different audience bases in different places. So from a state and a national approach as well. Yeah, right. And that, that whole brand identity of being a community club even having your players go out and interact with the community is something that not a lot of clubs do and you know there's such a big gap now between the community and the players because they're practically in at least in Victoria they're like celebrities now so yeah and to be honest like I actually think that the boys you know didn't love it at the time but it's actually really good for them from like a social perspective just to actually get out there and get uncomfortable and like you the way you plan these things so we manage the player appearances you put older guys with younger guys and they help each other through it but there was a really big kind of strategy around the different focus points of it wasn't just about giving the tickets away it was that sentiment of what we are about and that we're not too good to go and do that and and the staff did it as well every staff member actually went out and did it too so it was yeah and and that's led by really good leadership so our ceo bought into that our football department knew that it was a really strong thing and it's this one thing that we do so we're not asking you to do it all the time we're asking you to do it for this you know one day or two Mm. days or whatever it was yeah so obviously like a large aspect to fan engagement is like social media and being able to connect with fans online what kind of thinking goes into like the type of content the club creates and making sure like it aligns with the the club's brand identity yeah so i guess my main role was to kind of get bums on seats as we would say but that's just growing the audience and then getting them to the game. So that part of social media is actually huge in in getting that first engagement piece to actually want them to come to a game. We had a really, really good social and digital team. We had a whole team focused to that area and we had a really strong campaign of a hashtag that was hashtag Be More Bulldog, where everything we did was underpinned by that hashtag. So that went from our membership campaigns down to our match day experience and then was also obviously relevant online as well. So I I think by having a really strong campaign like that, it helps integrate everything together. But in a football club, there's a really huge juggle for a digital team to actually prioritise and focus on what works and what doesn't work and what's an obligation and what is actually high in engagement. Mm. So, for example, you know, we would have football content was always through the roof but we had community obligations as well we had sponsorship obligations so we had um, meetings that prioritized messaging and all of that so there was always kind of a process in place for how that was managed and that you know high engagement isn't always the main priority really but yeah a massive a massive juggle and even a kind of tone of voice perspective for a brand as well our digital team works quite closely with our football department so that the tone of voice was actually what Luke Beveridge wanted that to sound like and it sounds silly but the players would pick up on things that were going out on social and and talk to our digi guys and be like I don't like the way you've spoken to me about like or you've spoken about me like that or I think it's a, it's a definitely a whole club thing. And then 
there's certain words that kind of get picked up and and pushed along the way so for us probably in 2016 this, this word belief was kind of thrown around a few times and right. that kind of became part of our brand as well this belief so our hashtag became in the finals but like believe more bulldog but even down to you know like that same priority kind of struggle when i got to the bulldogs we only had the western bulldogs the football team then we got a vfl team from like through footscray and then by the time i left we had an aflw team as well so we were actually putting all of that content through the main page so we actually had to break away and and create their own pages for that as well because you you are diluting and again it's just that juggle of of how much you can actually put out there and and what the priorities are and what your objectives are as well and you know you can't assume that one western bulldog supporter wants to actually know what footscray is doing or what the women's team is doing so um yeah it's again just a huge a huge struggle but one thing we did probably notice um from my perspective was that a lot of our our content was actually focused on on avid fans so really diehard fans yeah which isn't really inclusive when you're trying to get new fans so we kind of did a, a few more kind of getting to know players and and that kind of content one thing that i was in charge of i don't think i don't know if teams do it now but not so successful was we did a media day so basically at the start of the season you get the boys for 15 minutes per player or whatever you have a camera and you ask them to do 20 odd things like whether it's recording a sponsorship message or asking them what their favorite food is and you, you gather all your content through that so that was one thing i organized which to be honest, was it was a bit of a nightmare. You roll, you roll through 44 guys in one mm. day and it's just, yeah, it's a, quite an exhausting day. And particularly like the, the, the players we were dealing with at the time were quite young and not confident in front of the camera and they get media training, but if they're not confident within themselves, it's 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 a bit of a struggle. And they're, and they're like, you know, they, they're a lot older and stuff now. So they're being through, going through a premiership as well. They're, they're much more confident. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so basically we had this media day where we were just doing this kind of, you know, staged content and getting them to say these things to camera. And that doesn't really work now because it's all about player kind of generated content and how are they just actually picking up their iPhone and creating the content for you. And so I think clubs do a really good job in that landscape now. I can't imagine asking the boys to do that probably four years ago. Right. <laughs> but I think that that's, that's actually the way that it's all moving forward is people don't want to see that. They want to see the boys at their like most authentic self. And you're only ever going to get that I think, through kind of player-to-player interaction, which is what people find most interesting. One thing we did actually do really well, which was really innovative at the time, was we actually had our media manager had a friend called A.D. Brown, who used to be a producer at Channel 7, I think. And we did like a fly on the wall series and that kind of behind the scenes stuff we rolled out in little segments throughout the year. But that kind of fly on the wall behind the scenes content was was one thing that we ended up doing really well for, for the time, I think, too. Brandon, <laughs> thanks so much for like coming on and, and spending the time to chat to me and uh, for being my first female guest as well. Oh, yeah. I'll take that. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> so, yeah, thanks. Thanks so much. Thanks, Patty. Thanks for really good questions. Thank you for listening to the Digital Rookie Podcast. Again, I'd like to say a massive thanks to Rhiannon for taking the time to chat with me. Make sure to head to her LinkedIn if you want to get in touch with her. Please subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. All feedback is greatly appreciated. As always, if you are someone who has something to say or know someone who would be great guest for the podcast, then please send me an email. All of my details are in the description below.
Stay tuned for the next episode and keep safe.